0: The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. hello friends thanks for tuning in to another episode of the kaderna podcast you are now listening to episode 23 and I'm your host Brian kaderna so I'm very happy to have you here as we wrap up 2019. And we are going to do so with a show that's really going to address all of the aspects that we've covered so far. And we're going to bring it in a nice, concise manner with actionable items. So today's episode are year-end planning ideas for 2019. Some of the stuff that I'm about to go over, if you, depending on when you're listening, you might be saying, hey, it's a bit too late. There might be other aspects that you say, hey, I could cram this in here in the last days or hours of 2019. And the rest of it, hopefully, you'll remember for years moving forward, because for so many of these financial decisions and choices we have to make, there are deadlines, and we need to be aware of them. Or like I always say in the world of finance, I didn't know is not an excuse. So we got to get in the know. That's why we do this show. <laughs> I feel like I'm wrapping I'm a rhyme here. But that is the point of this podcast. So without further ado, let's start uh, chipping away at some year end planning ideas. The first one's on obviously a very popular topic in retirement planning so if you've been a loyal listener so far i'm sure you're very well aware of traditional iras 401ks all of these qualified plans and hopefully even listen to our episode on the Roth option uh, to understand how you can plan your way towards a tax-free retirement however with these plans there are certain stipulations and deadlines that you have to be aware of perhaps the most important is one that affects your rmds which is a required minimum distribution what that says is for any traditional iras simple iras or sep iras when the account owner has reached the age of 70 and a half okay once they get to 70 and a half i know that's a strange age they now have to begin taking money out of those accounts hence the term rmd or required minimum distribution So when do you have to actually start doing that? The first RMD that you'll take is going to be due by April 1st after the calendar year in which you turned 70 and a half. So to give you a quick example, let's say your birthday is March 1st and you turned age 70. So then turning 70 and a half obviously would then be in, help me with the math here, I guess October 1st of that year. So now that first RMD isn't due in that calendar year, but it is due by April 1st following that calendar year. Every year thereafter, okay, so as we're kind of in RMD mode, every year thereafter, your distribution will be required by December 31st. Okay, so you have to take that out every year by year end. Uh, There's no extension getting into tax time or anything like that. All right. So that is a big one. And why is it so important if you do not take that RMD or you do not take all of it? You may find yourself subject to the excise tax. That penalty is a 50 percent excise tax on undistributed RMD funds. So what does that mean? Let's say that you're now 73 years old. You moved over some of your IRA to a new financial institution Uh, Just for whatever reason, lost track of things or hadn't been giving it any attention. And all of a sudden we missed out on your RMD. What they're going to do is say, okay, well, you were supposed to calculate your RMD. The way that they do that is they look at the 1231 balance. Okay, so the year end balance from the prior year, and they divide that balance by what's called the uniform lifetime table which you can find right on the IRS's website. Okay, so that's essentially going to be a factor of your age and whatever the balance of that IRA was in the prior year, all right? So now if that person, that 73-year-old missed their RMD, the IRS will go ahead and calculate what that should have been. Let's say that based on their account and their age, their RMD was $10,000 and they did not distribute those funds. What they now have to do is distribute those funds as fast as possible, but they're also going to be subject to an excise tax of $5,000. That is a penalty that goes right to the IRS. All right, so that's something that we need to be very careful about because it's easy to miss that, especially if we're not working closely with a financial advisor, and that is your responsible responsibility now in your senior citizen years uh, to follow every single year how much you should be taking out of that account. Now you can get this question a lot, you could certainly take out more than your RMD, you're more than welcome to, but you have to take out at least that minimum. Okay, so that applies to folks who are over the age of 70 and a half, and again, have a traditional, simple, or SEP IRA. There's another class of account owners that also require RMDs, and those are for inherited IRAs. So this is if someone passed away with an IRA, named you as a beneficiary, and now you've opened up what's called an inherited IRA, you will also have to take RMDs, even if you're only 20 years old, okay? So for an inherited RMD, in the year that the original account owner dies, you'll take an RMD based on that person's uh, life expectancy. All the years thereafter that the IRA is now in your name, you are going to take out a required minimum distribution on your life expectancy as a beneficiary, which hopefully will allow you to stretch that out much further so that there's not, you know, very large tax consequences every time we distribute that money. Where there's an exception to that rule is if you're a spousal beneficiary. All right, so let's say if a husband passes away, says I'm leaving 100% of my IRA to my wife, the wife can then take that IRA and make it their own. right. So now it's not an inherited IRA. It's not a stretch IRA. It's just a traditional IRA in the wife's name. And it will be guided as any other IRA she could have owned uh, by her own date of birth. All right. So that's a little bit about the uh, RMD rules. You might be saying, well, I don't have an IRA, but I do have 401ks or I do have 403bs or other defined contribution plans. The rule there is it's going to be the later of age 70 and a half, or the year after you retire. So if you're 75 and you're still chugging away, you're working hard, you're more than welcome to keep deferring money, contributing to your 401k plan, and not take money out of it. But as soon as you retire, the following calendar year, you must take an RMD. Some common frequently asked questions uh, I get on this uh, subject. Can an RMD be pulled from one account? The answer is yes. So let's say that you have three different IRAs that you've set up or rolled over from prior plans. You're now over the age of 70 and a half. What you will do is you will calculate the total RMD owed on all three of those accounts, and then you could pull it from all three, or you can just take one large distribution from just one of those IRAs. Now, one more exception to this whole RMD rule is when we get into the Roth space. Roth IRAs do not have required minimum distributions. Okay, I'll say that again. Roth IRAs do not have RMDs. So not only is it a beautiful thing that they grow tax-free and are distributed tax-free, if done so correctly as a qualified distribution, but also in addition, you can just let that keep on cooking and allow that tax-free compounding to continue without RMDs kind of forcing your hand. Now, if you do pass away with a Roth IRA, a beneficiary can set up an inherited Roth IRA that still has tax-free dis- distributions, but now RMDs will kick in. All right, so that's the only time you find it in the Roth space is a inherited Roth IRA. A lot of great information, guys. If you just go to irs.gov, um, you know, you can find out even more details on some of those deadlines. But keep that in mind. RMDs due by 1231. We need to know that. Don't mess that up. Another thing to think about as you approach any year end is do what I like to call a paycheck checkup. So you wanna look into your paycheck and what your actual withholdings are, okay? So your tax withholdings on that paycheck and see if you're on the right track. The last thing that you want is to find out that come April 15th, you filed your tax return and you're owing a ton of money to the IRS because your withholdings throughout the course of the year were not quite what they should have been so how do you adjust that throughout the year that's kind of like an evolving uh, metric you can complete your form w4 all right that's a w4 and you can adjust that so that they'll withhold more or less money from your pay all right again that's done through the w4 you can also go to the irs's website and they have a withholding calculator that's very easy for you to complete And then it gives you a suggestion of how to actually fill out your W-4 so that hopefully your withholdings are on target. On the flip side, if they were withholding a ton of money, you might find yourself getting a refund next April or when you file your taxes. You might get very excited and say, that's awesome. I just came into all this newfound money. Bear in mind that's not newfound money. That was just a return, a refund of your overpaid taxes. Essentially, what you did there, guys, is you gave an interest-free loan to the government throughout the course of the year, and now they're paying that back to you. So ideally, lots of times I recommend to clients, you want to try and have it so that you break even, so that when you file your taxes, you're not getting a big refund, you're not owing a lot of money, but you're breaking even so that you had that disposable income throughout the course of the year, and you paid the tax liability that you should have. So now you might be saying, well, what if I didn't withhold enough? Or what if I'm a business owner or a contractor and it's my responsibility? I have to actually cut checks via quarterly estimates to make my taxes throughout the year. What if I didn't do enough? There, Not only will you owe all those taxes come April, but you could also be subject to an underpayment penalty. The way you avoid that penalty is if you either owe less than $1,000, then you just pay your taxes and walk away. Or if you paid at least 90% of your full tax bill, or if you paid 100% of last year's tax bill. So if you fall into any of those three exceptions, you at least don't have to worry about the penalty. Again, that's one, if you owe less than $1,000. Two and three kind of go together. It's going to be the lesser of you paid 90% of your full tax bill, or you paid at least 100% of last year's tax bill, then you're excused from the penalty. You just have to pay the difference of what you should have uh, for your income taxes. Unfortunately, if you are subject to that penalty, it is going to be 0.5% of the tax not paid by April 15th. That's the underpayment penalty. So keep an eye on those withholdings, guys. Another thing to think about, here we are sitting uh, end of December 2019. Last year in 2018, the Fed raised rates four times. All right. 2019 with some concerns over the trade war with China and other things going on, the Fed cut rates three times. What does that mean? That means interest rates are at a very low level, almost like rock bottom. And so it might be an opportunity to start looking at refinancing your student loans or refinancing your mortgage to save some of that money on interest. All right, at the time that I'm recording this right now, uh, December 20th, 2019, you're looking at an average 30-year fixed rate mortgage around 3.71%. So if you've got a mortgage from back in the day that was maybe 6% because rates were higher, or maybe your credit score, your finances weren't that great at that time, might be an opportunity to refinance and save a few dollars there. And of course, the same goes for student loans. What else should we talk about? Let's go back to the the retirement space. Your 401k, uh, we know once we're older and we've rolled that over and, you know, we've got to be worried about RMDs and things, that deadline was 1231. Another thing we want to think about when we're in the accumulation phase is keeping an eye on the 401k, in particular, checking your allocation and possibly rebalancing that allocation. All right, I'm certainly not a proponent of day trading or watching that 401k every day or every week and getting emotional on the ups and the downs. I don't think that that's prudent investing. But having said that, it still deserves some attention. And you don't wanna set it and forget it completely where now all of a sudden you may find yourself way overweight in a sector that had a great couple years and way underweight in a position that you perhaps should have more of your money in. So that's why rebalancing or even setting up automatic rebalancing could certainly bring some value to you. Furthermore, you have until the year end, okay, so again, until December 31st to contribute to your 401k or your 403b for this calendar year. So for your 401k, that means you can contribute up to $19,000 pre-tax until year end. And if you're over the age of 50, you can contribute up to $25,000, again, up until year end. If you have an individual retirement account, you got your own thing going and you're wondering about that, you are allowed to contribute to IRAs up until April 15th or when you file your taxes. So those are a little more lenient. You have a few extra months there. And the same applies for HSAs. So if you want to set up a health savings account to get a tax deduction, have your money grow tax-deferred, and then use that money tax-free right, for a qualified health expense, you have a time to put uh, money into those HSAs up until April 15th, okay? So that's a little bit there on the 401 k, the HSA side for those of you looking for deductions. Along the lines of deductions, you might be thinking about charitable giving, especially this time of year with the holidays. You might consider bunching your charitable gifts if you think you're going to go over the standard deduction and itemize on your return, that's where you'll get the most bang for your buck. As of today, 2019, the standard deduction is $12,200 per individual. If you file your t- tax return, that means that you have a standard deduction of $24,400. If you itemize, so you have uh, reason to go above and beyond that, that's where you can put together your charitable gifts Uh, to get an even greater deduction. Switching gears, another thing that I think is very important is when we get into college planning. Uh, Most people associate college planning, college savings with the 529 plan. If your son or daughter or whoever it may be set that 529 up for is now in college and it's December and you're getting a bill from their university or college saying that, hey, money is owed for spring semester, So you say, okay, well, you know what? We were very good savers. We've been funding this 529 plan for the past several years. Let's go tap that account. And now all of a sudden you draw money out of your 529 in December, 2019, you take out a large chunk. And then in January of 2020, you cut a check to that college from the 529 plan. Well, guess what? You just distributed money in 2019 for an expense that wasn't incurred until 2020. What that means is you may have taken out too much from that 529 in this year uh, to qualify as a qualified education expense. Now all of a sudden that distribution may be subject to a 10% penalty as well as tax on any of the gains that you accumulated in the account. So that can be quite a financial uh, no-no that was just a quick oversight in the timing. You always want to make sure that you're aligning inside the calendar year, the qualified expenses for college and the distributions from that 529 plan. Got to keep a close eye on those guys. Another thing very important here at year end, if you have an FSA, a flexible spending account through your employer, could be for dependent care or it could be for medical reasons. Most of them will have a provision that's essentially use it or lose it what that means is that you need to use the funds in that account as you're only allowed to roll over 500 into the next calendar year all right so that's low-hanging fruit that unfortunately will disappear if you don't use it or at least everything up to 500 bucks Uh, so you might want to go find something to use that money up on Uh, some other quick ones that we could talk about Uh, this is kind of unique to 2019 you can go ahead and get a $7,500 tax credit if you're buying an electric car. Do be cautious, though, as that applies to the first 200,000 electronic electronic vehicles sold by that manufacturer. Once that manufacturer has sold over 200,000 electronic vehicles, now that tax credit will begin to phase out and eventually go away. In a similar vein of going green, You also have available a 30% federal tax credit for implementing solar in your household. That will also begin to phase out after this year. So if you're going solar in the next week, you timed it perfectly. Another thing too, a lot of people talk about, especially uh, when we're getting into the estate planning space, is gifting right for me. Should I start gifting some of my money to my kids, my grandkids, etc.? In 2019, you are allowed to gift up to $15,000 per individual. Above and beyond that, you'll be subject to a gift tax return, uh, which, you know, that excess money will then be deducted from your lifetime credit, uh, which could end up triggering either gift tax or eventually um, some estate tax that could have been avoided if we were gifting proactively and underneath that $15,000 limit per individual. Excuse me. That's $15,000. So I know we covered a lot of different ground here, but these are things that at least you should be aware of, and especially these dates, because we always say you woulda, coulda, shoulda, but again, no excuses in finance. So we've got to understand these dates and you know definitely be working with a, a competent advisor if we don't want to track all these things on our personal calendar uh, ourselves. So thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. You've just listened to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I hope that all this information you found helpful. Please go spread the word. Let's keep getting that out there as we approach 2020, and we'll make it another informative educational year, and I'm happy to answer your questions and be your guide into 2020 and many years thereafter. Thanks, and happy holidays. The podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Caderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS. 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS. A registered broker. Dealer and investment advisor. 973 244 4420 Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance LLC are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PASS or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA SIPC. California insurance license number OK04194. Content of the Kaderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission. From the Kaderna podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian, Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.